Welcome to TechTO's Three Comma Club podcast. In this podcast, we talk to the leaders and founders of Canadian tech companies that have a valuation of over a billion dollars. Learn about their journey from inception to today and what the future holds for them. I'm your host, Alex Norman, the co-founder of TechTO and partner at N49P. I would like to thank the TMX for partnering with us on this series where we get insight for future unicorn and three comma members in the Canadian ecosystem. Today's guest is Arnaud van de Voor from CAE. He's a chief digital officer there, and he's going to help us understand CA's history, its current state, and its future, and you know, and why there's a chief digital officer. So Arnaud, please uh, thank you for joining us today. Alec, thanks so much for uh, for having us on the podcast today. And on behalf of, of CA, we're very excited to to join you this morning. You know, we're, we're very honored to have you. Um, I think of CAE as one of the Canadian leaders that helped set the stage for the Canadian ecosystem today, what it is. But many of our listeners are newer to the ecosystem, newer to Canada. So can you just give us a bit of history of what, what you know, CAE, what you do, what, what, what the company was founded for, and what they do today? Uh, absolutely. So um, actually, uh, even for uh, old timers, CE is, is not a very well known company, although we've been public for a very long time. And um, we're, we're just celebrating this year our 75th anniversary. So CE has a long tenure of technology and innovation in the Canadian landscape. But uh, dare I say it, we're a little bit too Canadian. So we're a little too humble uh, when it comes to bragging. Uh, but at CAE, what we do is we're a high technology company. Uh, we digitalize the physical world. Uh, we deploy simulation and training and critical operation support solutions uh, for three main verticals, um, aviation, healthcare, as well as defense and security. The way we like to describe ourselves, uh, especially towards our mission, is um, we train professionals around the world for the moments that matter. Um, so that's what uh, CAE's goal and objective is. And obviously, we do this uh, with a variety of, uh, of both hardware, software, and, and advanced technology solutions uh, across uh, 35 countries, 190 locations with 13,000 people with us. Yeah, so large company, large global presence, three big industries. Um, you know, the one when I think of CAA is aviation. Mm -hmm. So for, can you explain a bit of the product and your customers there, and then go through the other two main verticals as well? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, uh, CE was was founded by uh, by Ken Patrick in uh, in, in the late forties, um, and uh, the the genesis there was to utilize, um, you know, a, a post war ready team uh, in technology to help make uh, flight safer. So, inventions and innovation around uh, flight simulators and helping aviators get better at their job every every day was really part of uh, of the mission of of, uh, of Ken at the time. And it just continued to evolve uh, that way. Um, there's uh, there's uh, very little known uh, from us as commercial passengers as to what happens behind the scene to train pilots and airlines. But um, it's only in 1982, so not that long ago, that the first uh, full flight simulators was actually um, uh, approved by the FAA in the United States as a means of, of training. So it's not that... Uh, it's not that old as a as an innovation approach to uh, to making uh, pilots safer. So our, our mission for the past 40, 50 years on civil aviation really has to be, I'm sorry, has been our ability to deploy learning solutions, hardware solutions with multiple class of training devices, supporting multiple platforms, aka types of aircrafts, 
and deploy this network across the world for CE to train, as well to empower uh, our customers directly. They would purchase directly their simulators, build their own learning curriculum for their fleet, and, and we were uh, their partner to support them. So that's, that's the evolution of uh, uh, our simulator business. Uh, there's obviously a lot more that we do yeah. now than, than just hardware simulation around the manufacturing of those. Um, but we'll get to that a little bit later, I, I imagine. For the other two uh, markets that we serve today in, in the world of healthcare, uh, it's the same principle that we apply. How do we train uh, doctors, surgeons, ultrasound specialists, nurses to perform their best uh, every day, especially given the past two years that... Uh, uh, that this world has gone through, um, the ability for, for healthcare professionals to be at their best has never been more uh, important. So uh, we, we feel uh, it's it's one of the most noble cause that we could be involved in as, as a business. And then defense and security uh, vertical, we provide um, highly, uh, highly fidel, uh, sorry, in the defense and, uh, and uh, security uh, uh, vertical, we provide high fidelity solutions uh, around interoperability um, in, in yeah. for example, military and operational ex exercises. Um, as you, you may probably realize, if you want to deploy a, a, you know 50 tanks, um, the, the gas bill alone on a military exercise is, is, fairly, uh, is fairly hefty, especially these days. If you can do so in virtual reality in single synthetic environments where you can interconnect different departments, even different countries, and simulate um, a variety of exercises that are um, in, in other times maybe not considered as or uh, top of mind for, for most people, yeah. uh, but in the days that we live in, um, unfortunately, the reality of military and defense training is is uh is at the forefront of of the news so uh, that's yeah. that's what we do in that uh, department it seems like you have the right three segments to live through turmoil of the 2020s with health being very important the last two years probably feels a little bit less important today but now defense um all of a sudden rearing its ugly head unfortunately um one one thing that those three industries can be very political and very mm -hmm. sensitive how has being based in Montreal helped you have a global presence or has hurt you? Um, I think uh, being based in Montreal actually has, has helped us um, uh, for a variety of reasons. Num number one, I think uh, just being headquartered in Canada by, by definition, uh, I, I think is, a, is an advantage for high tech companies. Uh, there's such a strong support, not only from a government perspective, um, our ability to establish strong links and network uh, around the world with, with other uh, leaders and countries, as well as the infrastructure support in talent, uh, technology and R&D uh, that exists in Canada has been uh, nothing but, uh, but spectacular for us in terms of uh, not only working hand in hand with governments at different levels, but as well giving back to the community and creating thousands of really high tech and high paying jobs uh, around the nation. So to, to me, it's only been uh, an advantage. Uh, we're continuing to uh, uh, to accelerate in that uh, in that regard. Uh, back in uh, 2020, uh, CE invested um, uh, a million, I'm sorry, a billion dollars wow. over five years in in R and D and technology in in Canada and sponsorship with uh, both federal and provincial um, governments. And uh, we're pledging to continue those investments uh, for for many many years to come. So, to me, I think. Um, Maybe uh, if you were to ask me the same question a decade ago, uh, Canada might not have been necessarily 
um, at the forefront of um, uh, the tech world or even the business world for that matter when it comes to uh, global platform um, uh, ranking. But if you fast forward to today uh, and you think about Collision coming to Toronto in six weeks and where the technology landscape has uh, arrived on the Canadian scene in, in the past few in the past few years, um, I think we're very, very fortunate. Uh, I love that. And again, you mentioned CAEs about 75 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you have a few less years in, on this earth than that. Um, someone heavily involved with the tech ecosystem, you joined as Chief Digital Officer and VP Global Digital Strategy. So first, I'd love to know what got you excited to join CAE? And you know, with your title, I think you have an idea of what the present and the future looks like. And so love to hear why you joined and what that means for the presence and the future of CAE. Mm-hmm. Well, my background has been uh, uh, 20 plus years in, in technology uh, and then management consulting and private equity deals, leveraging digital transformation to uh, to extract value and create value out of companies. Um, so when I first got um, uh, the tap on the shoulder to to look at the opportunity at CAE, um, I was running my uh, my own management consulting firm at the time. So not necessarily uh, uh, looking for anything, to be honest. Uh, but then I got to visit the uh, the headquarter uh, in Montreal, and um, the minute you realize the uh, the entire chain from manufacturing to engineering to immersive technology to our global footprint, um, uh, it, it gave me such a sense of the opportunity and the convergence of the physical and the digital world uh, for the purpose of the company that it, it became very very hard for me not to uh, not to dive right in. Um, so that's that's uh, that that was uh, how they closed me. Uh, number one and number two, obviously, the mandatory visit into a a full flight simulator, which is for the common uh, person out there, <laughs> probably the best video game simulation you will ever experience so, in life. Did they let you play it? Or oh, yeah. sorry, yeah, try uh, it. Did I you land? Quickly. I okay, quickly. crash quickly. Okay, that that's what I think would happen to me. Um, you know, and and is that the only simulation they didn't let you do any simul? You know, any use any of the health stuff today or? Uh, absolutely, uh, you, you get to uh, you get to experience everything that uh, that we offer uh, in terms of uh, of technology capabilities for our customers. And it was also important for me to understand uh, part of my mission and and the opportunity that was presented to me was to also to understand uh, the current state of our technology, our products, our services, our talent, uh, the tech stack that we have, uh, the partnerships and ecosystem that we have built, and where are we taking this for for the next decade. So. Uh, playing with the toys kind of came with the uh, uh, with with the uh, territory, right? Uh, so over to to my role at, at CAE. Um, I have a very very fortunate uh, position and, and role within the company. I, I sit squarely uh, in the middle of all three of our main business units. So I have a, a, an unbelievable an unbelievable view on uh, the different uh, technology services and customer success deployments that happen around the world in, in all three of these um, all three of these areas. It also gives me the ability to understand uh, what our customers are looking for in products and solutions um, in immersive technology. It, it gives me an ability to view um, the maturity of adoption of high technology. Yeah. It's it's easy to get uh, to get really hyped really fast in in, in high tech, uh, but then comes the reality of heavily regulated area, whether it's in medicine or, or in aviation. Um, the introduction of technology is is not as easy as as uh, you know, two week or three week spring deployment. Uh, there, there's a lot of uh, 
hoops and, and uh, check boxes to ensure um, that we remain, uh, our customers remain completely certifiable in, in their training curriculums. Um, so, so my role is, is really um, assess and, and provide the best possible uh, efficiency and optimization uh, across our digital footprint and solutions uh, globally, and as well work with uh, uh, my head of, uh, head of business unit leaders uh, to pave the roadmap two, three, four, five years ahead as to which technology is shifting from our R&D uh, department into uh, our growth and, and opportunity stack, or even our core products, and is now fully rolled out across uh, across. So, when in this role, when you look at the future, how much of the technology you're looking at that's built in house versus partnering or acquiring? So, how do you, how do you think about that? It's a it's actually one of one of the core challenges uh, and both opportunities at uh, at CAE. Um, if you consider that we have a 75 year history of engineering, meaning our full flight simulators uh, up until not so long ago were completely built in house, all the way to the graphical cards for how we present the immersive wow. solution. Well, the, the the high fidelity requirements that we have in our solutions, uh, especially in the military, for example. There's very little uh, on the market that was actually uh, meeting our criteria. Uh, one and and two, in some cases, it just uh, cannot be known who's using what technology. In the aviation world, um, it was the same same approach. Fidelity requirements are extremely extremely high. The level of immersive solutions that we have um, is is quite incredible. When when we hear today in the market the uh, uh, several industries contemplating the, uh, their opportunities in the metaverse and where they're going to go with it. At, at CA, we kind of look at this with not a, a little bit of a smug Canadian look saying we've been in the metaverse <laughs> for 15 years, maybe more than that. Um, anyways, so, so on, on, uh, on, on our opportunities, it's about transitioning our capabilities and our engineering uh, workforce, which is, which is huge, right? Out of our 13,000 employees, probably half is, is engineering, um, which wow. is which is gigantic. Um, but we also have to be cognizant of the pace of technology acceleration, especially in fields like AI, or even fields like uh, uh, synthetic, synthetic environment and game engine. Um, one, of, uh, one of our technology uh, R&D right now is around uh, working very closely, for example, with Unreal and Epic on uh, visualizations components, because we're recognizing that in some areas, um, we and in lower level of fidelity of, of what we need for some of our solutions, working with Epic, working with the Epic ecosystem, and mm -hmm. with technology that's being used uh, across a much broader set of talent and capabilities. To be honest, that we could ever own in house is the right way to do it. So partnering and ecosystem strength, uh, which are fundamental pillars of digital success, are are applicable to us as well. So. It's an interesting role in history for the company. You, you, you've been around 75 years. I imagine you've been public for a good chunk of those. Mm -hmm. In the current environment where there's a bit of skepticism again about technology valuations, what do you think makes CAE an enduring company? You know, like what, what about your role has been done before? And what, what about your you know, role like yours enables the company to keep on remaining relevant and fresh and important to its customers? Well, I, I think it goes back down to uh, to fundamentals. Uh, I would agree wholeheartedly with you, especially in uh, if, if you look uh, probably 12 to 24 months ahead. Um, there's some reckoning happening in the tech world around valuation and, um, and unit economics and fundamentals around businesses. Um, there's been such a, uh, a cheap capital uh, outpour uh, into technology 
uh, verticals that uh, it's it's obviously in fact and inflated valuations for a lot of a lot of companies. So um, I think that's just perfectly normal uh, cyclical adjustments in in our economies. What shields us from from this uh, to a certain degree is is the fact that our technologies are applied. Uh, they're not speculative. Um, they are disruptive, but in an applicative format. Um, what I mean by that is, if I take the example of healthcare, um, AR and VR technology are going to become the norm in that industry. Uh, there, there's no question about that. Uh, what's interesting, however, is to ensure that you apply your investment, your R&D and your product roadmap to the pace of maturity and adoption and willingness and capability uh, to pay for, for your customers. So um, if you take the U.S. Uh, healthcare network, for example, you have a very wide disparity of hospitals in terms of haves, um, sure. middle of the road and have not in terms of, of funding and, and capabilities, right? for uh, the, the lower tier of solutions, uh, uh, sorry, of, of uh, our customers and, and hospitals, uh, deploying AR, VR technology, even if uh, the results are proven, uh, the learning is better retained, the, the rate of medical errors is greatly reduced, is still not something that internally they're able to, uh, to deploy from a talent and workforce perspective, let alone a capital perspective. At the same time, uh, working with leading hospitals, um, they're on the bleeding edge and they're trying to figure out how to implement these advanced solutions because they're seeing the, uh, the outcome results for not only their patients, but in that system for their bottom line and trying to figure out how to accelerate it. So to us, the investment uh, in those technologies um, is done in an applied fashion with a market that's able to sustain it. And so you talked about AR, VR, you mentioned machine learning. What are the technologies you're looking at that shape the future and will CCA to incorporate into future products? Well, when I when I first joined uh, two years ago, one of uh, one of my first uh, uh, action was to uh, turbocharge our AI capabilities within uh, uh, within CE. So we're our, our entire AI department is probably at least sixty strong uh, globally right now, um, and not even including our, our data management capabilities. And um, fundamentally, if you peel uh, some of our solutions, uh, whether they're immersive or, or full, uh, full flight simulators training for aviation, uh, fundamentally, we're capturing learning and training data uh, from our customers. And so the uh, ability for us to uh, apply machine learning models onto that data to understand how can we make uh, a nurse um, curriculum go from 24 months to 18 months or maybe sure. even 12 months um, are fundamental components of what we're looking in adaptive learning in, in AI. Um, and, and that's part of our that's part of our role and part of our mission. Right? If um, if you look at the demographic pyramid uh, and you take a step back and look at it on a macro level, um, whether it's pilots or whether it's nurses or doctors, yeah. specialists, um, we're in trouble. Yeah. The, the cliff is coming. Right. So we're going to have to come up with solutions to uh, either maintain or improve the degree of performance of, of some of our professionals ac across the world and do so in a, in a faster fashion, working hand in hand with hospitals, schools and governments, uh, because the shortage is real. We're, we're all feeling it. Right? So the utilization of AI technology is um, I, I like to to um, dumb it down that way to uh, town halls and discussions I have with the team is, in my view, it's, it's our OS of the future. It will be our operating system uh, going forward. I love that. And let's, let's talk about a global workforce. Um, you know, 
was it 13,000 employees? How many countries do people actually work in? Is it all 35 uh, countries? Yeah, we're supporting 35 countries, correct. Yeah. So how do you maintain a culture that's consistent? <laughs> and, you know, like you said, you had 60, let's call it AI uh, engineers. I imagine they're not all in Montreal or Toronto. So how no, do you build those teams? <laughs> <laughs> Montreal, we we tap that market completely. Yeah. Uh, no, that's I mean that's a, that's a fundamental talent challenge right across uh, uh, across any industries. Um, we're not the only company that has uh, accelerated uh, in digital transformation in the past uh, decade and, and uh, tripled the acceleration thanks to COVID, and also had to contend with um, uh, digital and tech challenge shortage. Therefore, accelerating our our transformation to a global footprint and and go in and uh, and get the talent where it actually is today. Um, so just like any other company, uh, we're trying to find the right balance in uh, in hybrid models where we can distill uh, a culture of innovation, a culture of sharing, uh, a culture of no uh, no boundaries, and it's done through a variety of mechanisms. Whether it's uh, uh, the way we schedule um, uh, meets and greets for our key town halls that are happening on quarterly, where we're trying to bring it and fly in as many people as we can, or change the location so that we can get um, our global footprint, the exposure to uh, uh, to some of our executive leadership. Uh, and and if not, um, you know, thanks to the advent of technology to a certain degree, uh, our ability to have uh, global happy hours where we share uh, what has been deployed uh, in in this part of the world this week. Two weeks later, it'll be another uh, another country that displays uh, features that have been released on customers or a testimonial, or even invite customers to to give us feedback on some of the products and solutions. Uh, so, so we've adapted to uh, I think this um, ever connected world that has to navigate between. Um, what is the right moment to try to bring people together? Um, still fundamentally believe that when you're trying to tackle hard challenges, um, you know, it, there's nothing that's going to beat a, a, uh, a fun workroom with, uh, with lots of writing uh, uh, walls around you. And in other times, um, the ability to actually leave people, uh, work at their own pace, um, just focus on the outcome and work from where they, wherever they are in the world, um, is is also uh, perfectly acceptable. So we're, I think, just like any other company, uh, walking that that fine line of trying to define our our workforce management going forward. So, and what positions are you trying to fill right now? <sighs> what position are we not trying to fill? Right now? Okay. So, so if someone's listening to this, they like you know, you know, who would you recommend reach out to you? What what you know, and how do they find out about those positions? Well, we have uh, uh, obviously our, our CAE.com slash digital accelerator uh, page where we try to, uh, to, to, to be a magnet uh, for what's happening in, uh, in our digital solutions and tech solutions across, uh, across CAE. Uh, we have several different uh, events uh, across the world that are happening at, at any given time, whether it's conferences, presence, uh, demonstrations with, uh, with customers or involvement with university is, is universities uh, is, is on a global scale. I don't think there's a week where we're not present at uh, uh, either an incubator or a university uh, across the world to, uh, uh, to make CAE known and, and uh, present the uh, incredibly rich tech immersive environment that we have to offer for a lot of, um, for a lot of talent. But the reality is, as you know it as well, is uh, we're, we're not the only one looking for uh, development, uh, uh, senior talent or advanced AI uh, analytics and, and, um, and machine learning talent. So uh, it's, uh, it, I think at the end of the day, um, it, it comes back down to 
um, if you have um, if you have talent in uh, uh, and skills in what is being sought after in, in digital and tech today, you can deploy it and you can work from pretty much anywhere. I, I don't think from a um, from a job perspective you have any boundary not any boundaries on opportunities, which is which is really great. So to me, the way I look at it is the onus is on us as a company as CAE to express to these candidates why would you come and join CAE? What's our what's our mission? What are we trying to do in the world and for who? And if that's something that um, aligns with your cultural value and, and what you, you'd like to contribute to, then uh, we're going to be a natural fit. And I think we have a, an extremely rich value proposition for for talent pools uh, out there. But it's it's a it's a tough world, no question. Well, Arno, I appreciate your time. I look forward to CAE uh, having at least another 75 years of success and making sure I can see doctor and fly um, because those short those those talent shortages are real. Um, thank you so much for your time, and I look forward to doing more with you in the future. Thanks for having us, uh, Alex. It was a pleasure. Yeah, and for those people listening to this podcast, if you want to be aware of when new three comma podcasts drop, you should subscribe to our newsletter at techtio.org backslash newsletter because we have links to the newest episodes as they are uh, go live. Thanks.